everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Joined today by my co-host Matt. Hey Matt. Hey Kat. Hey everyone. How are you? A really exciting episode today. I know I always say that, but you know this one really is exciting to me. Yeah, uh, it should be pretty good. So it's a guest we've had before, and and that's always nice. You know, it's like um, revisiting. That's that's always cool to see what people are up to, um, and you know, pick up kind of where you left off in a way um yeah i mean it's not really a uh, catch-up episode it's more of a uh, follow-on episode i guess you would say yeah this one's really different like that and um i wonder so courtney Gaines is our guest and uh, first time we had him on you know we talked about the backstory of he got into acting and children of the corn and you know we went through uh, all the movies the yep. um memphis bell and the burbs and you know just so many um but i guess like this episode i'm thinking so he's crossed over into music you know he still acts but and he has that really long career right. in acting, but you know, he's now singing and putting out music, writing music and performing music. And I just wonder, you know, like, it's hard, I think, to be in one career path and then cross over into another one. I mean, it's not impossible because people do it all the time. Right. But, you know, it's like, so not different jobs per se, but like, completely different careers or you know how many have you had that are just like totally different um hmm probably i would guess like four or five i mean do you find like you identify you know as one of them like you know more than the others like i feel like this is me i mean probably more so with design because I did that for the longest amount of time and so um, like if you were to cross over into I don't know musician um, you know would that be hard oh, probably sure because I mean I don't you know I'm not a good musician so <laughs> <laughs> well, make it you know. a little tough to eat you don't have to be right you can just like you know milly vanilli made it work like slip sync yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah well i can't sing for crap so well you know that, that's like really you can't honestly hear yourself the way you sound i'll just throw that out there to you um but you know i'm i'm just thinking like in a way music and acting are you know they're both performance so so they're not totally unrelated but just because 
you're really good at one doesn't mean you'd be really good at another. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's been plenty of people who have tried getting into music from acting and didn't work out as well as they would hope. Yeah, like a Yellowstone, there's, you know, there's an example of like Kevin Costner acting, directing. Then next thing you know, he's touring with a band, you know? Yeah, that's true. He was. Um, but I mean, I guess when you, you know, I guess when you reach a certain level as an actor, <coughs> excuse me, um, you know, you can do things like that because a lot of people will come and see you just based off your name. Right. So... I would guess there's some of that going on, but I mean, I'm sure he's a fine musician. I don't, I've never heard any of his stuff, so. Yeah, I actually did listen um, to Courtney Gaines. Uh, I did listen to one of his songs, and you know, it's really, really cool, actually. Um, And we're, you know, I want to talk to him about how the style and that kind of thing. Um, If... I guess, like for me, I, I, in some ways, had different careers. Like, you know, I was a teacher right, uh, for the longest time. And now, you know, if, I don't know if you want to call it a career per se, but, you know, a new venture. Well, um, I mean, you're making money at it, right? So it is technically a career. Well, I mean... <laughs> It's, it's like, I, I guess I think people will always think of me as the teacher because, you know, after 27 years, that's what people, right yeah uh, that's a lot of time that, you know, people knew me in that way. Right. Um, but this is not really that much different because it's, you know, in a similar field. Um, or if I'm writing plays, you know, that's also... Like, not all that different because I wrote plays while I was teaching and people knew that I did that and that I had plays published and whatever. But I just find it interesting, like, I don't really feel like a teacher anymore, you know? Like, after I was away for a couple of years, it, it, it really didn't seem like, you know, that defined me anymore. But So you don't think you'd be able to go back into the classroom and teach a class? I would. Um, (laughs) I still have the the skill, but I just don't like identify that way anymore, I guess. Um, Like when, when, when I was teaching, it was like, that was my identity. I'm a teacher. Right. Yeah. And then when I didn't have any job, you know, when I retired, it was like, who am I? I'm, I'm, you know, fill in the blank there's like yeah you know nothing to put in the blank so I, I really like didn't have an identity of a job anymore so um you know now it, it feels different again and so I just wonder you know with Courtney Gaines like to me he's always like that redheaded kid that scared me to death <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in Children of the Corn, right. Malachi. I even like, you know, that name like frightens me to think about. Which, you know, what if I were to watch it as an adult, like right now, 
maybe I wouldn't even have the same reaction. It might look, you know, cheesy, scary or something. But I remember watching it at the time and I was quite like, oh my gosh, you know, because I do not like, um, you know, I'm not a, a scary movie kind of person so right well i mean in courtney's defense i'm I'm sure he's still acting i don't think he's given up one for the other no i don't think so either i'll just be curious to see if he like you know does he plan to like try to reach that same level in music as he did with acting you know is this like a second conquest or something you know I, i don't know but um it's really cool um yeah. Because, you know, I do love music. You love music. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we sort of love movies. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that we've seen, sure. Yeah, we could probably not name too many of <laughs> ones, but... Yeah. The Downton uh, Abbey movie was the last one I saw. Yeah, well, you know, I was right there. Um, the new series coming out, by the way, possibly on that. But, um... You know, I, I just, I find Courtney Gaines' story, um, his backstory already interesting. And I find anyone interesting, really, that's crossing over into, you know, some new venture. Um, and, it, you know, I, I just can't wait to to hear how it is, how it works. You know, how do you, like... What makes you decide, like, okay, that that wasn't enough that I've been in, like, 140-something movies and TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now I'm going to, like, do this. Well, I mean, some people, they, I don't know if they, yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone, but, I mean, maybe they get bored and they just want to branch out into something new. Um, maybe, you know somebody's pushing them to it I don't know well there could be a lot of reasons for it I mean yeah. sometimes you have like like well okay like you know when we first met you hadn't written a play true and, and then you know you discovered like you're really good at it so yeah but that, be- I mean that was kind of a fluke I think yeah, but who's to say, you know, like, flukes sometimes turn out to be, like, you discover something about yourself that you did not know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, now I have, you know, a bunch of plays and won some awards and written a book and actually a couple of books. I swear, the, the other ones are coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying it because you know, send it <laughs> to the universe, it's gonna happen. That's right. Yeah, it, it will. I mean, I, I have no doubt that it will. You'll you'll get the books out. Um, but you, you know, you I, I just feel like that happens sometimes too, and even later in life, oftentimes I think people discover um, things that maybe you were too busy. Like when I was teaching, I didn't have time to really like do anything else you know because it was busy with stuff like that right that was the world um and you know then when you don't have that identity anymore and you have a little bit of time or a lot of time you know then you might discover another talent or 
another way to use a talent that you've been interested in developing. So, uh, yeah, I'll be very curious to see what's the story there, how it works for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting, for sure. And this is the 40th year anniversary of Children of the Corn. Wow, 40 years. Damn. I know. So, that would be, you know, I would have been 18 when that came out. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I would have been 20. <laughs> Trying to remember what yeah. I was doing then. I mean, I thought I was younger. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's go with that. You know, I was like about six. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk to Courtney and see what's happening. All right. Well, Courtney, I want to welcome sessions it's really great to get to catch up with you again thanks good to be here yeah i forgot it's been about uh two years since we talked i forgot that it was not a zoom i was, I was just going hey are we zooming or what now it's all coming back to me <laughs> yeah so uh, the two years i think you were um promoting uh queen bees i think it was so i think that's I was promoting Queen Bees, Charming the Hearts of Men, and also my acoustic record at that time, uh, Courtney Gaines, uh, Acoustic Gaines Volume 1. So that was, yeah, that was that was two years ago. Wow. Uh, it, it, some ways it really does not seem like that long, but, mm -mm. you know, catch us up with what's been going on uh, with music and acting uh, from that point, and then what we're going to talk a lot about your music today. Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, roughly, what can I remember? Uh, I did a really good guest on a show called Tales for BET, where I played this, uh, you know, uh, really bad, corrupt cop. That was a lot of fun. Last time, I, I looked any kind of clean cut. And uh, uh, and then the last couple things I did last, uh, I had a movie called Becky, uh, Wrath of Becky come out this year that uh, gotten into South by Southwest. So that was pretty awesome. And it's doing very well. It's a sequel to a movie called Becky. That came out in 2020, and then they're already doing going to do a third one, so it's becoming a, a franchise. So that's cool. And uh, the other thing I did last year that was really cool is like I got cast in a, a video game for Rockstar, but they, they're very secretive. They wouldn't tell me what it was, so I was up there doing this really fun character that, that ran a drug lab, made all this acid. It turned out to be Grand Theft Auto. So for their Los Santos Drug Wars, their online game. So they did. It ended, it ended up being a two-parter. First one came out in December. Second one came out in March. Character came out great. Uh, I call it my ode to Dennis Hopper, and uh, and you can check out the uh, the, the cut scenes, or they call it, the uncut scenes uh, online. Really, really fun character. So some pretty good good uh, roles lately. So I've, I've been pretty happy with all that. Uh, so the video game that's a new kind of thing that I don't think we talked about that before. So well, what was that like? Well, actually, it's my third video game I've done in my career, and all three of them have been pretty pretty significant, which has been nice. The first one was Wing Commander Three, which they eventually made a movie, but it was the first time they actually used had enough RAM to use human beings. That was like '92, I think. And then the second one I did was a video game called L.A. Noir, which was the first time they ever used real facial recognition. And that was very difficult. You had, you had, to, you had to do the bodysuit stuff separate and then months later go back 
and do the do the um, facial recognition. They had you had to spend like an hour blow drying your hair, so it was like a helmet, so no light could come through it. It was very strange, and you had to go in this room where they had all these cameras, and you couldn't move your head at all, and you had to do one line at a time. It was very 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 arduous. And now that same company, Rockstar, that was part of that, did this one, and the technology's come a long way. You're in the bubble suits, and they have these helmets with like a, like almost like a football helmet, and then in the front part where there's a grid, there's just a camera mounted right there, and that gets all your facial recognition. So 10 times as fast, and you're much more free to do things. So I've actually, yeah, I've actually been part, I mean, to be part of the Grand Theft Auto franchise, this blows my mind. So, so I've been part of some pretty pretty significant video games, which is, I, which I'm not really into video games all that much, so it's pretty kind of surprising that I, have any kind of history there <laughs> well i mean you're it's pretty diverse when you think about it uh, you've had like a really long acting career and mm-hmm. of course you've got the music career and um franchises of video games that you're part of so and uh, that's really cool um so I want to talk about your music career because you've got the EP, I think, coming out October 2nd. Um, so that's just not far away. Um, but your career has primarily been acting. Um, sure. But so how is music, do you look at that as like a second career, a hobby, or how do you see it? I think it's progressed uh, from a hobby now to uh, something I'm doing professionally. A career, I don't know, but I don't have I don't have to need it. I don't have to make a living at it. So my approach to it's been very different than my acting career. I started studying acting and music at the same time at 13 years old, but I knew I wanted to be a professional actor. So I really I, I continued to train for like 20 years as an actor. Either I was teaching or I was in a class the whole time I was in L.A. Now, as a musician, I, after a few years, I stopped taking lessons because I didn't – sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I didn't want to know too much because I wanted to write because that's what I really like to do is the writing part of, of, of music. But I felt, I felt if I knew too much and I learned too many other people's material that I would then start comparing everything I tried to do to somebody else's material. I didn't want to do that. And I think in hindsight, it really worked out for me because I've been writing now, you know, for 20 years and have a lot of material. And now that I'm, I'm in a, I have a band called the Courtney Gaines Group, where it's a trio where I play bass and sing in, in the Southeast. And you have to do three sets a night. So you have to do like 70% covers. Now I'm learning a lot of covers and it's, 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 it's already happening where I'm like, oh, wow, these are the same chord progressions to the song I wrote or similar or in the same key, blah, blah, blah. I'm glad I didn't know before because I just wrote I wrote more freely I think so um, so this EP is a six song EP called Safe Haven coming out October second you can only get it on FakeFangRecords.com so this time I got a label behind me which is a real nice step and now I got a booking agent behind me to be able to go promote it so like I'm putting the pieces together to actually be able to got to do this thing and uh, this is a storytelling record. Uh, like my acoustic gains record was which was much more personal and introspective this is really a much more storytelling driven uh a type thing calling stuff just calling bs on things i think are shallow like uh one song is called bills in space it's got kind of a surf groove and it's about the billionaire space race which i think is like a, I think it's the biggest ego trip on the planet right now that's what i think <laughs> Okay, we're definitely going to talk like in more detail about these. Uh, but I hear that you have a really interesting backstory about being playing on stage with fish. 
Yeah, that's true. So that's a long story. Um, yes, and I want to hear it because okay, it sounds so, so many moons ago, right before Can't Buy Me Love came out, so I'm guessing, I'm trying to remember, like maybe 86 or so, a friend of mine got married in Nova Scotia, Canada, and I, was, and I decided to hitchhike to Michigan to go see this girl because I thought it was like the last time I could get away with something like that. And day two, uh, end of day two, um, I'm on my way trying to get across the country. This guy picks me up. Uh, named Mike Gordon, who turned out to be the bass player from Fish. Before they were big, when they were still playing in Nectars in Burlington, Vermont, which has a great jam scene. Uh, that's what they, you know, they came out of. They're a jam band, but there's a whole jam scene there. And uh, and we hit it off. And then next thing I know, he's like, hey, man, we're opening for Santana at the Greek. Come on down. Blah, blah. Next thing you know, hey, man, we're, we're headlining at the Greek. And they just blew up. So, so we, so I became friends with the guys, mainly Mike. But they had this friend of theirs who was a, who was a really big, was always pulling pranks on them. But it turned out his Achilles heel, his weak spot was Malachi. So they, from, so they kept trying to come up with a way for me to set something up to scare the crap out of this guy. And all the ideas that came up were just too much, too arduous. And I was just like, nah, nah, nah. And finally, they came up with one that worked. It was they were in Vegas doing a gig. So it was easy for me to get there, and they were like, "We'll fly out, blah blah." And they came up with an idea: we're gonna we're gonna uh, throw this big party in a penthouse, get this guy high on mushrooms, and take him out in the casino. And when he comes back, the movie Children of the Corn is gonna be playing. You're gonna be hiding in the in the in, in one of the bedrooms. We're gonna peel off, and then Trey, who's the who's the also a redhead, is gonna be the last one to leave. He's gonna come into that room. We're gonna put on his jacket, and you're gonna go sit there next to him watching the movie. <laughs> so that's so that's what went down. They were expecting like a really like him to just scream or something, right? So he, but you know he obviously had tripped before, so he figured he was tripping. He was super scared. I can see it in his eyes, and he, and he goes, "Oh hey!" And he gets up like really slow and walks out of the room. And they're like, "Was he scared? Was he scared?" I was like, "Oh dude, he was really scared," because he didn't scream or anything. Then they went to go talk to him, and he was lying down on a floor in a bedroom, and he couldn't utter a syllable for forty-five minutes. <laughs> And did you so feel bad, it, or did you feel like, oh, this worked? This is funny. Well, when he couldn't utter a syllable for 45 minutes, they felt incredibly successful because he was just literally going like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? so I saw the guy the next day. He loved it. No hard feelings. So now the band is just through over the you know, over the moon because they've been planning this thing for years. So at that point, it was like I was in the total good graces. They're like, what do you want? I said, well, let me come out and jam with you guys. They're like, done. So uh, I would have played some guitar, but Larry and Les from Primus were also coming out for this final song. So I just played some percussion, but I got to play in front of like 7,000 people in Vegas. So it was pretty awesome. Hmm. That is awesome. And, you know, maybe this is like another branch of your career. It's like people that are afraid of Malachi, you can like, <laughs> they can rent you, you know, to come and like uh, do something similar. Pretty cool. Either that or, you know, yeah, you got to be a big enough band to get me to do it. There you go. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was it was the ultimate prank. The guy, I guess, had it coming. I guess he'd been pranking them for years. So and he, he was a great sport about it. So that's that's the good news. <laughs> it's, so back when you had acting and music, and like I think you said, you were thirteen. Um, did you ever consider that music might be the career path, or did you always know it was going to be acting? Well, my intention was acting. I, I was interested in music, but I never had the um, I never had the same kind of support that I had. Uh, 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 I never caught a break where somebody that could in, help influence things in the right direction, uh, you know, happened. 
So I think that I think that was the other component of it. Is I think that in acting, I had a mentor from the time I was 13 who was an actor who then became a manager and broke me into the business and all those things. And those things really made a huge, huge difference in, in getting results. Uh, but I was, but I, like I said, I started started taking lessons at 13. I started writing by 15. Uh, I had a band called The Gathering, acoustic band in LA in the in the in the 80s during the metal scene. It was a coffee house scene that I was part of. That was. We were very successful. We had we had some interest, but then the band broke up. Um, once I got married and had a kid, I was like, if we're not hitting the road and getting serious, I got to go back to acting where I make money, and that's that's what happened. So they just we just weren't able to keep it together. So that was my first first maybe my second band. And then I then I started doing solo stuff, and then I had a band at Ripple Street in L.A. for gosh I don't know on and off for ten years, and then now uh, now I got this Courtney Gaines group. But, but like I said, out here in Savannah, it's a lot easier to. Um, actually make you know make some money and keep a band together because i can pay good guys if i can pay guys i can get good guys to play and that's and that's what i'm doing so and what is it that you like about um performing music well like i said the number one thing i like about music is the writing that's that is one of the biggest creative highs for me because uh i don't i can't explain it when some lyrics start coming or a groove starts coming and an idea you have to get it down like you it may take 10 minutes. It may take an hour. You just have to get it out because you can't walk away from it or you'll lose it. So it's like this sort of creative juices thing that happens that's really cool. Um, performing, I've, that's what's been great about this gig where I've been performing pretty steadily, like almost every weekend at least. I'm, I'm starting to be able to get over the anxiety of it because it's, 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 it's a little more anxiety-ridden than uh, performing as an actor where I'm creating a character. I've had to create – I've had to learn to create a, a band act. And it's give this for the last nine months. That's what I've been doing, so that we can take this take this band out on the road and promote this record. Um, and now it's starting to become fun. So the what I like about it is I like the main thing I like about it is playing original material for people and seeing how they react to it. I like like one of the songs in the record is called "The Healer," and I tell people like this is told from the point of view of a plastic surgeon. <laughs> the look on their faces, like what is this dude talking about? But then they tune in and listen to the song because they want to figure out what's going on, you know. And that's really fun. So you wrote uh, all of the songs on this um, EP that's coming out. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a favorite? Yeah, that's really tough. That's really tough. Um, uh, first off, three of the songs were older and three of the songs are new. Three of the songs were actually in a movie I produced and starting called Benny Bliss and the Disciples of Greatness. It came out in 2006 and we were supposed to do a record off of that and it never happened. So, um, so that was part of the unfulfilled thing I wanted to get out there. But and one of those songs I'd had for a long time called Good Times. And even when the acoustic band would get people up and dance. So it's, it's got a real good groove to it. So I'd have to say, if I had to pick one, I'd have to say Good Times just because it's the oldest song. And it's the song I've played the most. So what is the first song that you ever wrote that you, you know, felt like was, was a song yeah, so the first band I was ever in was called was the three actors it was called the Rooftop Boys, and uh, we recorded some stuff. In the, and I recorded one of my songs called Misty Afternoon Blues, and um, it's on my. I have a record called uh, Gains nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety nine. That's a compilation of a bunch of songs I had in the band The Gathering and some singles, and, and even that song's in there. I still play it, and I think it's a solid song. That's I think what was most important for me is that at that point I started believing that in that I could write. And that's what I believe in the most for me as a musician is I believe I can write a song. There's tons of musicians out there that can sing better than me, that can shred better than me. 
that are way more accomplished musicians. But just because you're an accomplished musician doesn't necessarily mean you can write a good song, in, in my opinion. Some some can, some can't. So I've hung my hat on that I can write a good song, and I think even and I think even that song I still play it to this day because I think it's it's well written. So misty afternoon blues. What is the writing process like for you? Do you get lyrics and melody? Do they come together to you, or um, is it almost like the song has a life of its own, and you're just a medium for it to come out, or what's it like? To some degree, that's absolutely true. That you, yeah, you feel like you're a medium, and it's just coming out. But but for me, it happens in a variety of ways. One way it happens is just sometimes. Uh, like I do this thing called morning pages. That was from the artist way, a book that came out. I don't know, maybe a decade ago. That was very popular. You do this thing called morning pages, where you write like 15 minutes, like three pages of just whatever's on your mind, just free form to kind of dump the garbage out of your head to start your day. I've been doing it now for a long time, and uh, sometimes in in that things will just start, ideas will just start flowing, and so that's a, it's a good it's a good way to just get the creative juices happening. So sometimes it comes that way. Sometimes it's just an idea I have. Something some I hear some line I think school or a hook that I think school like I was watching the whole billionaire's face race and I thought, you know, it, it all it all kicked in after uh after uh, William Shatner went up and I looked at the uh I looked at the the blue origins and 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 I think like many people I thought this looks like a dick. This, this, <laughs> it looks, it, so I said it much nicer in the song. I say, I say in the bridge, uh, "Blue Origins looks like a prophylactic." Because <laughs> um, I think that's the ego trip. It is too. I really do. And mm. uh, so, 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 like an idea like that will spawn a whole song. Um, but sometimes the, the the title track, "Safe Haven," when I decided to pick up bass in this band, when I had to start realizing to play out here you had to play three 45 minute sets and do some covers i decided i was going to pivot to bass because i needed a better guitar player because i needed somebody that could play lead better than i could and so when i pivoted to bass i just found this really cool riff and uh, uh which i think is a really good riff when you hear this you know you hear the song you'll decide for yourself but i really like it and then i don't know then that, that spawns safe haven which I think has sort of double entendres of meanings. One that we, I think we all need a home. You know, I think about the homelessness situation. Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's it just flabbergasts me that in a country as wealthy as we are, or even a state as uh, as wealthy as California, where there's a lot of homelessness, that it that it even exists blows my mind. It just doesn't seem like it should. Mm. You know, but uh, because there's no political will, because there's no money or power to be made in it, it, it does exist. And, and to me, in this country, that's a, it's really a shameful thing in my opinion. So safe haven means a having a home, but I think it also means having a place that is your, what is your jam, right? Like, is it like music? Is it art? Is it watching movies? Is it like, where do you go to, is it taking walks in the forest? Is it jogging? My son is jujitsu. He freaking is obsessed with it. He, when I talk to him after he comes out of jujitsu, he's exhausted, but he's happy. You know, like, where's your safe haven? Where do you recharge? Where do you do what you love? Because life's too short not to do something you, and you better find something you love, man. Our life is just going to be too much of a drag, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so what, uh, who are some of your favorite songwriters? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting, uh, I have to say, you know, uh, and I, and I, I really try, I, I, I learned a long time ago through, when I was younger and my acting mentor would say, you know, you need to study the method greats, study Brando, study James Dean, study Monty Cliff. I did. 
but I was smart enough to realize I was never going to be those guys. Like I was never going to be those charismatic, good looking dudes, leading dudes. Right. Like I was able to figure that out. So I was like, I, I, I can learn from their technique, but I'm never going to be them. I got to find my own voice. So I, I feel the same way about music. Right. So, but I think as far as writing goes, I grew in a Chicano neighborhood where oldies were a thing, right? Like they, KRLA was the radio station. So like one of my favorite songs is uh, Aaron, ne- you know, Aaron Neville do a Tell It Like It Is. Mm-hmm. I just love that song. It makes yeah. me cry. I think his voice is, if I could sing like Aaron Neville, I would sing like Aaron Neville, but you know, who can? <laughs> I mean, that guy has a falsetto that goes into a falsetto. I don't know. It's just this amazing, beautiful voice, you know? But I think those 50 songs that written by people like Carol Kane and stuff were really structured well. And I think that my DNA and I think it helped me be a better songwriter. But if I had to point out another person I'm a big fan of that I could never be like, but I'm a big fan of is Jan. Oh. Hello. Hello. Are you there, Kat? I'm here, but I think we. It's showing Courtney's still there, but I. Don't think he is actually. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Um, like I could try to call him back. I don't know. It's showing. Like I said, he's still here, but yeah, I guess I'll end it and try to call. Okay. He's he's now disconnected, so I'll see if he calls. Um, All right. Back. If not, I'll try. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah, right when, like, who is who is <coughs> going to say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll try. Okay. That's assuming that I can see the number. Yeah, I think I can. <clears throat> hmm. Okay, so I got voicemail. Um, it looks like he sent me a message on Facebook. Let's see. Okay. What did he say? Um, my phone is showing no service. <laughs> okay. Well, that's kind of weird. Okay, here he comes. Okay. <laughs> All right.
uh, and then it was working again. And right now, with no service, I shut the phone off, put it back on, and it seems to be working. So let let us hope. So <laughs> finishing the finishing the influences are people I admire, songwriters. Uh, Janice Ian, Between the Lines, I think is one of the best records ever crafted. And at seventeen is just a heartbreak of a song. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, she, she's somebody I, I think I think she's an absolute poet. Well, um, so it sounds like a lot of the influences, uh, you know, would have come at an early age, or at least the music uh, is older music. Uh, so you grew up um, listening, you loved listening to music as well as, did you listen as a songwriter at that point, or um, is it separate for you? Are there songs you like, and but you don't really like them because of the writing aspect? I think I probably like them all because of the good writing. Just like, like, why do you like a good movie, right? But, uh, but, but I know that, like, so I'm also smart enough to realize, like, I'm not going to be Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so I'm like, I, so I try to find like what I can, what I can do. And for me, it's for me, it's connecting. You know, as an actor, like what I do best, I think is is my ability to connect to a, a, a mood. Some people like to call it a feeling, like that, where I can generate whatever mood i need to get to and, and i can get to some pretty you know dark ones if i need to right but i can take you know even if it's happy i can take it to a big level i think as a as a songwriter i try to do the same thing i try to capture a mood it's more about it's more about what i call vibe and i and i get in trouble like i'll be trying to mix something with you know a mixing engineer and i'm like oh you know i'm not really feeling the vibe of this guitar and he's like i don't mix vibe you know because like from a technical <laughs> point of view you know, they, they don't care what i'm talking about you know so i'm like yeah but from a fucking feeling point of view you know you hear what i'm saying you know i may not have the technical knowledge of what you're trying to say here but you're not getting you're not getting the you know if, if you don't capture some kind of vibe or mood or something you've caught nothing as mm. far as i'm concerned yeah you know well, I listened to Lookout, and um, to me, it had a very, like, Santana uh, <laughs> mood, you know, that kind of uh, vibe. Let's go with that. Um, yeah, well, I would, I would agree that that guitar lick in there uh, is, is Santana-like. I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's funny that you picked up on that. Um, it wasn't intentional. Uh, the guitar player uh, that th put the lead in, some of it was too busy, and I was like, you know what? I like this little thing. Da -da -da -da, da -na -na -na. I said, let's 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 pop that in throughout the song, you know. And at first he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just try it. You'll see what I'm saying. And then it came out pretty cool. But yeah, that song is uh, that song is one of the newer songs I wrote. is uh, is about a classic story. I wasn't thinking about it. it; just came through me of a boxer who was told he has to throw a fight, you know. And I always thought, like, how tough something like that would be for someone like me, you know what I mean, who, who's, it's not about, I may not be, you know, if we use boxing, and I actually have used this analogy before, I would say, you know, as an actor, you know, you wouldn't want to get in a ring with me, you know, I could throw down, you know, and uh, uh, I believe in doing your best, you may, not, you may not be the best, but I believe in doing your best. You know, I really do, and I believe putting your best effort out is important. And uh, to 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 have to do something like that, to have to get in a ring and 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 tank, I think would just be really heartbreaking. I don't think I would, I think I would take it extremely personally. You know, myself. So I just I've always thought about that kind of thing. Like, what would you what would you do if you were put in that position? You know, it's a pretty pretty tough position to be put in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So as I'm listening to your songs, you know, uh, the things that you're talking about that the messages from them i'm thinking like 
okay, so now you've got another song possibility. It could be like, you know, you're the boxer and, and you get offered to throw the fight. And in exchange, they'll let you go into space on the... <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to that? Yeah, at least, at least that's a, a good offer, right? At least you get something out of it. Yeah. I just saw this uh, on YouTube. I just saw this documentary on one of the greatest... My, my father was a big boxing fan, and I'm, I would say I'm some and know something about it. My son's a big martial arts fan, so it kind of runs in the bit. Archie Moore was considered one of the greatest fighters of all time he didn't get a title shot even though he was ranked number one for a decade because he wouldn't capitulate to the mob mm. and he and he and he went to the press and created this his press campaign where he just sort of exposed the entire situation to the point where they finally had to give him a title shot and the guy he fought against who was the champion said i will i won't do it and this was you know a long time ago. he said i won't do it for less than ten thousand dollars and they got the money together to pay him and archie moore who got the championship made eight hundred dollars but it was a, that's how bad he wanted to be a champ. That I'm, I'm surprised nobody's made that movie yet. I mean, that's a that's a man of high integrity, you know. Like, wow, not only talented, but was like not going to sell out. It's a pretty. I, I think we should make that movie. I think that's better than a movie about Muhammad Ali myself. Well, um, so there's see, we're making all kinds of career things for you to like, add to uh, your I, list. I can't play Archie Moore. I'm afraid. I wish I could, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, you know, I was thinking, like, it doesn't seem like two years since you've been here, but it really does not seem like 40 years since Children of the Corn. Yes. So yes. You, you have timed this so perfectly, um, the 40th year anniversary and the tour for Safe Haven. Um, and so where, where are you going to start the tour? Tell us about that. So, yeah, it was completely unintentional. It just took longer to get this record done and get it out, but it sort of timed up. I don't really, can't really tell you much in that regard. Now, the only gig I can tell you about that's outside of uh, Savannah right now is uh, there's a haunted house called the Haunted Pyramids in, I think it's Lawton, North Carolina, that they're going to uh, have three nights of bands as well. And my band's going to be playing two nights. All the rest of the bands, from what I'm told, are going to be metal. So I can't, I can't wait to go play for that crowd because that's my, that's my fan base right there, right? <laughs> you know, I may not be playing metal, but that's my fan base. So we're coming there to rock them, showing how the old timers do it. So it's going to be fun. So that's the first thing we know. And I got a booking agent now, so we're going to be doing it. So we're going to be, I'm going to be trying to linchpin things off of like if I get in some big conventions, then I know I can maybe do a tour up, up to there and back with the band, right? And like uh, we're going to be doing 35 minutes. 35 millimeter print screenings at some art houses across the country where then we'll do a, do a Q and a and the band can play and do a, and do a VIP meet and greet. So I'm trying to figure out these ways to sort of make this thing financially feasible. It's not like I'm in a big record label that they're like, we're going to fund this and you can go on the road for, you know, 150 days out of the year. It's going to be like 10 days in the West coast, 10 days in the Midwest, the best, the best way you're going to be able to find out what's going on is to go to my band page, Courtney Gaines Group, on Facebook, and that's where we'll be announcing things as they as they unfold next year. But we will definitely be out there doing stuff. Awesome. I mean, this sounds like an amazing tour to, um, you know, to have all of it come together and uh, to be able to watch the film and have the question and answers, meet you and the band and you know, and then hear the music. That's just amazing. Uh, so yeah, it should be fun. It should be yeah. fun. I hope that 
you know, I hope that you're in this vicinity of Kentucky or um, close by. And what's, uh, what's the biggest uh, big city? Oh, Lexington. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I've done, yeah, I've done a Lexington convention a few times. Maybe, maybe I'll get to do that convention again. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that would be great because I know there's a big fan base here and uh, that yeah. goes to that. So, wonderful. Yeah. Well, um, so what is it about music that you know acting doesn't give you like as a creative outlet what is it that music does give you that right you don't yeah. get any again so my musical approach is completely different than my acting approach like if, if i had approached music as a living i would have you know studied it and learned all these different you know techniques and styles so that i could get studio gigs so I could I could be a gigging musician, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But that's not what I set out to do musically. I did that's what I did as an actor. Like I'm a hired gun, right? In a movie, I'm one person who gets hired to portray a certain role, and I get all I really have to concentrate on is my job, right? And I, and I get to be part of a bigger thing. But musically, it's about what I think. It's about what I feel. It's 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 coming from me. So it's it's a, it's a different it's a different animal you know in that way and yeah. and they're little short stories you know they're they're told in four minutes five minutes um so it's a different it's a different animal and it's it's much more quote-unquote personal i may be using something personally in a role but you won't know what it is right as a method actor i may be using you know the death of my dog and you you won't know right I'm, it's just it's getting me into the mood i need to get into to play this scene but as a musician, I have nowhere to hide. These are my thoughts. This is what I think. This is what I feel. These are my points of view. So uh, it's just, in that way, it has a certain level of satisfaction. Well, Matt, um, do you have a question that you'd like to ask? Um, yeah. I have one more. Uh, so, Courtney, you said that you play guitar and bass. Are there any other instruments that you play? You're talking about percussion, but like... What do you grab it? No, that's it. That's it. I am, and I've only been playing bass for like nine months. I sort of, I sort of think I just play rhythm guitar on bass. <laughs> but it's been really, it's been really good to take it on though because it's really opened my ears. Um, like it, you know, and even though I do covers in my band, I try to do, I try to interpret songs because I'm not, not, not only am I necessarily not capable, but I'm also not interested in playing them like, like the other people, like, like the exactly like the record, yeah. right? So, like for example, a really good example I think is um, is we do um, "Stay or Go," you know, uh, by the Clash. Mm -hmm. Now, my first thought on that immediately was, I like that song, but like you're never going to be like the way the Clash play the song. It's the angst of the Clash, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. attitude of the Clash. So, if you try to play it like the Clash, in my mind, you're just you're, as as a cover band, you're, it's just going to be a little cheesy, right? You're never going to be as cool as the Clash. Yeah. So, at least that's my take on it. So when I started to learn the bass line, I realized that the bass line actually is very rooted in like 50s groove. Like I was sort of shocked, like that bass line was hiding underneath all that punk and attitude. Mm -hmm. So instead of it, so once I discovered that, that sort of opened a way for me to interpret the song. So we, we, we play it. I play it with like much more of a 50s kind of groove. And instead of we only, we only play the double time in the chorus once. The second time we come back, we play it single, and you really can, at that point, hear how much more of a sort of a 50s groove there is underneath, 
the song and people still know it's the, the you know the song and they still sing the song and but it, but it's interpreted in a way that's like check this out maybe it, you know there's roots to this song that that they're 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 showing us that I didn't even know was there until I learned to pay the bass line so I like to do things like that I often say in the songs when I'm playing them you'll recognize this song eventually <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you uh, enjoying playing bass or have you found it to be um, difficult no I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying it and no I haven't found it difficult really for the most part because it's it's in having come from guitar and six strings and yeah. chords <laughs> it's kind of simplified it now that's now now a real bass you know a real true bass player would probably be finding a lot of flaw in the way i play and yeah. like, I, like like you don't know the root blah 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 yeah, You're right, yeah. i don't know the, i wrote this song and this is how it goes and the dudes have to follow along <laughs> <laughs> that's why i hired them because they kick ass you know <laughs> Uh, but but to me it seems to be working out. I feel like we have a definite um, uh, vibe going. As a matter of fact, uh, recently we just played a gig. If you go on the Facebook page, a couple just a couple scrolls down now, you can hear uh, uh, the the new guitar player we brought in wanted to do Voodoo Child, and and we do you know we we jam off on that one, and we play. I think we don't. He doesn't put the whole thing up. But he put he put up about, about five six minutes five minutes of it though, and it's a jam. I'm like, whoa, we're really like hmm. jamming here, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So if you want to hear the kind of rock and roll we're doing, jump on there and check it out. I'm I'm pretty impressed with what we're doing. I feel like uh, we got a pretty good band going for a little three piece. I think we're making some noise. So cool. Yeah. So no no plans to like jump behind the drums or anything. No no no. 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 Not even. The drummer I've got is like, you'll see him in this song. He's doing some crazy fills and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, not taking away from anything. Like, yeah. But he just in in the moment improvs. Like he doesn't, you know, he keeps the beat, he keeps the time, but at the same time, he plays to how he feels at that moment, which is awesome. Like, I think it makes the live experience much more spontaneous and fresh. And uh, you'll see if you see the song, he goes, he goes off, man. He's he's very talented. He's been he's been drumming like thirty years from Connecticut and moved down to Savannah and he's played in a lot of prog bands and tribute bands and he knows what he's doing so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have him his name is Christopher Angeletti and he uh, he brings a lot lot to the party cool um, so what do you got going on I mean you're doing a tour and stuff and uh, what else you got going on anything coming up that you want to talk well, about all I really I really can't technically I can't talk about anything coming up because the strike but I yeah. really don't have much to say anyway but really it's so far the focus is the 40th anniversary of corn conventions and the band yeah. I'm sure they'll be work next year once this this bummer of a strike gets over which uh, man that's a real I, I really, I really, I saw this coming a long time ago, and and I, I, I really associate it to very similar to what happened to the music industry. Once everything went digital, it was the kiss of death, you know. Mm -hmm. And I really feel the same thing is happening in in the movie industry, and it was, you know, in the in the music industry, it was the the death of the CD that right. that you know made uh, musicians lose a lot of money. Uh, you know, now it's the death of, you know, cinema uh, theaters and going and, and television because of residual income. You know, I mean, the residual income for a middle class actor like myself is the difference between making a living or not. You know, that would save your ass in the slow times. Right. And now the streaming and they won't show they won't they, they you know, they're keeping it all in the black box. They're not saying who's watching what and they're not paying much. It's uh, it's it's really going to 
it's really going to kill the talent pool is what I think it's going to do. All those supporting actors who won't be able to make a living are either going to have to find another hustle, side hustle, right. or they're just going to leave all together and go to greener pastures. You know, and I think that I think that, that happened in the music industry. I think you had some of the youngest and brilliant minds in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s doing music because they could have fun and make a living at it. But when I think when that dries up, people do things. The, the greatest minds go to Silicon Valley and make video games and things like that. So I think they're going to lose a lot of talent over the next decade. I really feel bad for the actors coming up because I just don't know how they're going to be able to make ends meet. Yeah, and then you got the whole AI thing. and Yeah, and I saw that coming a long time ago too. And and, and I understand that. I, I think we'll be able to negotiate the if you want to use – you know, my voice or my likeness, you're going to have to pay for it. I think right. uh, I just saw a thing on uh, CNN that uh, a bunch of novel writers like Grisha, yeah. that they're all suing the, you know, suing AI of GP Tech. Yeah, you can't just take those guys' stuff, dump it in the computer and say, okay, now write like those guys. Right. That's not cool. Yeah. So I think that they're going to get a lot of pushback. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to have to license the rights to those things. And I think that's fair. And I think that'll happen. But residuals, is the real kicker that seems to me to be the real there's a lot of people complaining and saying here's the problem but i have yet to see anybody online anybody offer a solution and i think it's because there probably isn't one and i think it's the same thing that happened in the music business there was no solution the only thing that the music business was able to do was um they just they, they just went into getting a lot of catalogs and so they have a lot a lot of music and now how they make their money is they place it in commercials and television and films and then people discover the bands like, oh, that that who's that yeah, band? Yeah. That's a cool song. Oh, Journey. Oh, what else have they done? Oh, they buy a few songs. <laughs> and that's and that's how the younger generation discovers these these bands, you know. Yeah. But um, but but as far as making new records and making money off those, I mean, the only way bands make money now is touring, you know, and and, and merchandise, selling T-shirts. Yeah. And I think it's hurt the industry big time. And I think it's. I just think the same thing's gonna happen. I'm just, I'm actually, you know, just thankful this is not my, ge- I'm not in this generation coming up because hmm. I think it's, I think the, I think the, uh, unfortunately, Silicon Valley is killing it all, man. And that's that's how I see it now. I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see it like people have been talking about Silicon Valley and the elite for a long time. Now it's coming to my doorstep and I'm, I'm feeling it. You know. Mm, yeah. All right, chat. One more question. All right, so I think a good question to end on is, like, of all the songs, um, (laughs) you know, two, three, whatever you want to list, but, you know, for you personally, what are the two or three greatest songs of your life? Well, I told you before, first off, Tell It Like It Is, I think is just one of the greatest songs. That's one of my faves. Um, What else? Yeesh, yeesh, yeesh. Oh, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> yeah, it's almost it's almost impossible. I was trying to think of like uh, I'm a uh, gosh, I don't know. It's really tough, uh, and I'm terrible at thinking of the names of songs anyway, the titles of songs. But uh, trying to think of, like what would be one of my favorite. I mean, I'm a, I'm a you know, big, definitely a big Zeppelin fan. I think I think the Zeppelin's kind of interesting. I think they're, obviously they're huge and they're well known, but somehow I still feel like they're underrated somehow. I feel like they're still under the radar a little bit. Because uh, I think conceptually their albums are just fantastic. How they flow from one song to the next. Mm. Uh, well, I can't think of which one I want to pick. The it's a tough question. It's a tough question. <laughs> God. I think more of like albums. Like if I had to pick an album, like Dark Side of the Moon. I could get okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, greatest concept album maybe ever, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, well, that's a good note, uh, you know, to end on. Uh, that's there you the- go. There you go. It's, I think it still like sells like a zillion records a year still to this day because it's just such a such a monumental achievement, you know. Yeah. And it, have you watched any of the reaction videos where people hear stuff like that for the first time? Uh, I have some. Yeah, but not. I can't think of a Pink Floyd one, but other ones it, uh, uh, like when people like like see like Stevie Ray Vaughan play like Little Wing or something. Oh, yeah. Just, like, yeah. Yeah. They're just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> but I think that that's the case. I think this, you know, the, the younger generation here doesn't realize like how many amazing, you know, you know, like Jeff Beck, yeah, or like, yeah, know, for sure. Like I don't think they know who these people are, you know. And then when they hear them, they, I don't, I don't think that there's just there's just not that level of musicianship anymore because everything's being done, done digitally and everything's being done with these voice boxes to make everybody sound perfect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Auto-tune, they don't know yeah. who Phoebe, they don't know who the great voice like Phoebe Snow is or something like that, you yeah. know, that are just like these beautiful, you know, thing. I just don't think that it's, it's just on that level anymore. I think, I think music's, I think a lot of it sucks now, but hmm. that just might be me getting old, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but some of these vlogs, like the guy just says like two things, like, you know, like, yeah. You know, like, and it just goes, there's no melody, there's no, like, how is this a song? This right. is a song. <laughs> <laughs> These kids today, what the hell is that? Get off my lawn. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Courtney, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much right for your on. time. Great. Good talking to you guys. Good talking again. See you guys again. I don't see you. And uh, hopefully we'll be coming your way. All right. Yeah. Be looking for you with Lexington, hopefully. All right. Sounds good. All right, sir. Take care. Thank you very much. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at irateplays at outlook.com. Or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.